The Great Filter is a Phobos Tech podcast. All proceeds go to fund the STEM Theory Research Project, inspired by the economic systems of both Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek and Ian M. Binks's Culture Series. STEM Theory aims for a cleaner, healthier future for all of humanity. Go to thegreatfilterpodcast.com to like, rate, subscribe, or follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. The Great Filter has adopted the No Pass Directive. That's no placements, ads, spots, or sponsors. So check out the support link at thegreatfilterpodcast.com and consider becoming a monthly contributor. Options are as low as 99 cents per month. Thank you. Will we be the filtered or the filtrate? This is The Great Filter. Organizational psychologist Amy Resnevsky and her colleagues found that people who view their job as a calling reported greater levels of life satisfaction and job satisfaction and missed fewer days at work compared to those who view their job as just a job or as a career. The findings hold even when you control for income, education, and occupation, suggesting that satisfaction with life and with work may depend more on how you see your work than on income or occupational prestige. In fact, the following statement was strongly correlated with viewing your job as a calling. If I was financially secure, I would continue with my current line of work even if I was no longer paid. Scott Barry Kaufman, from his book, Transcendence, The New Science of Self-Actualization. Um, first, that book, Transcendence, wow. I mean, phenomenal. I read it like, oh, it must have been about a year ago now, and I was just, it, I, I was blown away. It was just a really fascinating book and a really interesting look into the psychology of that particular aspect of human behavior, of reaching for transcendence and, and becoming a continually self-actualizing individual. Highly recommended. Um, again, no, uh, you know, no relationship or agreement with, uh, with Dr. Kaufman, but you know, I'm just, I'm just saying I found it a very fascinating book and I, I would recommend it to anybody, you know, interested in that. All right. So we are going to do a really quick recap of the last two episodes. Um, remember the whole kind of point of, of this series, <laughs> this episode that turned into a series is to think about what the chances are that we are going to cause our own extinction. So in episode one, I talked about, you know, the paywall that separates, uh, the individual from their needs, right? Uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I kind of, I went over that, uh, which we're going to touch on again in this one. Um, the conversion of the individual's needs into the needs of the market and the problems that follow from that, like corruption, bad science, uh, the increase in value when something is made illegal, uh, poor product quality, planned obsolescence, unemployment. I mean, all of these things spawn directly from that. Um, we talked about market intelligence and the market proto-mind and, and its own weird kind of psychology and um, motives and motivations. Uh, we talked about uh, carrots and sticks, right? right? Um, we talked about how the market is in control. We are not. 
We talked about its needs to supersede ours and how it leads us and prods us accordingly. Uh, I gave you the volcano analogy. And, and when we're stuck in this sort of situation, how, how nearly impossible it is to break from the momentum of the lemming herd. Or, uh, or I, I, I think uh, I, I could not find a legitimate source as to what a group of lemmings is called. Uh, I read somewhere that it's a slice of lemmings, a leap of lemmings. I read somewhere else that it's a suicide of lemmings. So I'm just going to call it a herd of lemmings. But yeah, we talked about the impossibility of breaking from that momentum uh, as individuals. It's not something you can do as an individual. It just, it's impossible. It really is. Uh, then episode two, or uh, part two, <laughs> we talked about... Uh, the two kind of types of, of possible suicide, right? We talked about the acts of commission uh, in terms of suicide. Uh, this is the direct intentional act um, meant to arrest one's own vital functions. And then we talked about the acts of omission. And again, in terms of suicide, this is, this is more of a who gives a fuck kind of, kind of attitude. The, well... I deserve it anyway, kind of a whole thing, you know, the, the attitude where, uh, of not wearing seatbelts, not really caring, crossing the road without looking because if you get hit, oh well, um, that sort of a thing. And with humanity, uh, when we break out from, you know, the individual framework and look at humanity, we hear comments like this all the time uh, in, in light of global warming, uh, kind of like, good, we all deserve it, kind of a, a phrasing. Even... Even uh, the band uh, Tool, a band I, I rather enjoy, in their song Anima, he says, Some say the end is near. Some say we'll say Armageddon soon. I certainly hope we will. I sure could use a vacation from this bullshit three-ring circus sideshow of freaks. Here in this hopeless fucking hole we call L.A., the only way to fix it is to flush it all away. Any fucking time, any fucking day, learn to swim, I'll see you down in Arizona Bay. You know, another clip is, because I'm praying for rain, I'm praying for tidal waves. I want to see the ground give way. I want to watch it all go down. Uh, Mom, please flush it all away. I want to see it go right in and down. I want to watch it go right in. Watch you flush it all away. Now, granted, um, I get that there's a lot more to that song. Trust me, I, I understand it. It's a multi-topic, multiple layers of symbolism. So don't get all, you know... You are not understanding the meaning of the song. I do. I, I get it. But my point is that this sort of social self-talk, it's very revealing about the attitudes of a very large, very many of us. Uh, we, I also covered uh, current threats that fall under acts of commission, including nuclear war, mo uh, you know, murderous AI, biological warfare, and then we talked about the threats that fall under acts of omission, uh, cataclysmic experimental accidents, um, negligence in cutting-edge research, uh, not moving fast enough to really deal with crises that we've kind of built over time, like global warming. We talked about the incredibly massive financial, social, and political momentums that we simply don't know how to remedy. That we don't even know where to start or how to try, which relates back to the whole volcano analogy from, from part one. And I ended with the analysis that our omissive behaviors are what is going to get us. 
this, you know, we've got these silent ninja demons in our periphery that we know are there, but we are just choosing not to address them. These are likely the great filters that are going to crucify our species. So with all that kind of laid out, let's talk about why we are like this. Let, let's lay out the psychology of self-extinction. First and foremost, if we are going to understand this, we need to understand that humanity, right, Homo sapiens, we are a social creature. In the uh, giant pinball machine-like mechanism that is uh, evolution, we've been kind of donked around and, and pinged around and tossed around quite a bit, and it has resulted in us being a highly social creature. And this is not a bad thing. This is a very good thing, but in our context, the way we are, the way we have allowed things to become, it has become one of the more, it's, how do I say this? It's a hidden strength that we are not utilizing. It's a hidden superpower that we just have not realized is there yet. So let's, let's tap into this a little bit. Uh, the term superorganism, what does it mean? So, uh, you know, from a biological per perspective, um, I'm just going to read this off really quick. A social colony of individuals who, through division of labor, effective communication, and self-organization, form a highly connected community that functions as if it were a single organism. I'm going to follow up with <laughs> a quote from Wikipedia. Uh, a social unit of eusocial animals where division of labor is highly specialized and where individuals are not able to survive by themselves for extended periods. So I think I may have mentioned this before, humans, humanity, we do not fall under what is a super organism. And there are one of the main reasons why not is because an individual human can, uh, is able of surviving on its own away from the pack, away from the collective, away from right the social unit. So if you were to talk to like an evolutionary biologist uh, and you were to ask them if humans are a superorganism, they will tell you no. Uh, we just do not fit within that definition. But we are so close to being able to fit underneath that definition that uh, this, this is the reason why I, I coined the term supraorganism optima because a lot of the superorganisms we are aware of, well, all of the superorganisms we're aware of are these social animals, right? Like ants or um, uh, honeybees or termites, right? They, they work together. They construct these really intricate little structures like honeycombs or uh, termite, uh, like their little mud, uh, mud hives and ant, uh, the tunnels of an ant colony. Their power comes from the fact that they work together, but it's also a key feature that they have to be together. They literally are like a single organism. Now, humanity, what's crazy about us is that we have this superpower. We have this intricate social weaving that can really amp us up and power us if we utilize it right, but we're not at all. Like, we are... We are utilizing some aspects of it while completely rejecting other 
uh, mechanics of how of how the system is supposed to function and it causes a lot of problems so superorganism optima is the idea that even though we can physically survive away from away from the social cluster in order to optimize in order to become our best selves both individually and collectively we need each other we need each other psychologically for our psychological health for uh for self-actualization we need our community so we depend on the communal structure to optimize hence the term supraorganism optima it throws out optima at the end and, and distinguishes the two beginning words just to you know give it a little bit of distance from the original term superorganism we're going to nail this to the wall today okay we're going to handle why why this is and we're just going to kind of torrent through the rest of this information and yeah get ready this is a fucking roller coaster so we're going to talk about maslow's hierarchy again here and i'm going to kind of expand on this a little bit because some of this information is very useful in this particular episode i did not go over this last time but maslow's hierarchy first of all it, it has some criticisms okay it, the hierarchy isn't always as as it's more fluid there's more give and take between layers sometimes one thing will come uh will be more important than another thing that's not necessarily the order maslow gave it so just know that the the hierarchy is is not always solid it's more fluid than that and is contextual it depends on uh, where where you might be self-actualizing in your career, your family life may be not so much. It, it, it might need some work, that kind of a thing. There's, It's just a much more dynamic sort of a thing that we're talking about. Okay, so the hierarchy at its base level, it's separated into two major sections. You have your deficiency needs and your growth needs. Deficiency needs, those are your bottom ones, the, the lowest rung. And this is where you have your basic needs, right? Your physiological needs, food, water, warmth, rest, sleep, etc. And your safety needs, security, safety, shelter, belonging to a group, and feeling like you're protected from the elements outside. And then in growth needs, we're two levels up now. These are your needs for progression and optimization. Your first two levels are your psychological needs. And you have you know, belongingness and love. We went over this friends, family, intimate relationships, feeling accepted and cared for. And then the next one up is esteem needs, feeling appreciated and recognized, uh, prestige, accomplishments, that sort of thing. And then we get to the last level, which is your self-fulfillment needs. You have, there's several levels and there's other, you know, researchers that have kind of added different things and adjusted some of these. So it's more expansive than just uh, what Maslow himself did, but you have cognitive needs, aesthetic needs, self-actualization needs, and transcendence. Something that a lot of people don't understand is that self-actualization and transcendence require continual work. It's not like once you get there, that's it. You're just riding on the top for the rest of your life. No, once you get there, you have to work to stay there. And if you don't, you're going to slip right back down the ladder and, and find yourself at square one. What we have to understand here is our needs dictate our motives. What we need to have happen dictates what we are going to do next. 
So your needs are very literally the focus of your motivations. Now, there is a lot of research on motivation. I've been pouring through papers after paper because it is so relevant to the research that I'm doing that that information is like so vital to me being able to do what I need to do in my research. So just understand that this arena, when we're talking about motivation research, we are talking about so many different theories and ideas behind what motivates. Um, there's, you know, uh, process theories of motivation. There's uh, cognitive theories of motivation. There's business-oriented theories of motivation, you know, and school-oriented theories of motivation, sports psychology, right, and that, that, that center around team and individual player motivations. So there aren't just a bunch of different kind of schools of thought in motivation. There are completely different applications and theories for each individual context and situation. It's a very complicated and complex ecosystem of interconnected theories. That all being said, there is one theory that has taken the cake and it is revered now. It has become extremely popular because of its capacity to kind of encompass almost all of the other theories of motivation and if not fully encompass uh, deeply influence or inter, inter intersect with it and this is the self-determination theory of motivation now I want to kind of stress the idea that the self-determination theory of motivation originally published by DC and Ryan that that's like the the current modern cutting edge kind of uh, our end of time version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay. Self-determination theory would not even exist without Maslow's hierarchy. It is an extension of Maslow's hierarchy. Okay. So now we've got, uh, the hierarchy of needs and we've got the theories of motivation, specifically SDT or, or self-determination theory. Let's lay out SDT. Let's explain why this is important and why it has been such a fucking mover and shaker in the psychologies. Uh, first of all, we have different types of motives, different types of motivations. What I mean by this is that there are different places from which these motivations come. You have extrinsic motivations, which come from outside. This would be like, uh, and there are several subcategories of extrinsic motivation. But for instance, uh, your dad telling you that uh, you're not going to be able to go camping with your buddies if you don't clean your room. And that is a, an extrinsic external motivation put on you to get you to clean your room. That is where that motivation cl to clean your room has come from. However, uh, there are several sets of internal motivations, okay? And the highest, kind of most pure is the intrinsic motive. And what this means is that you have an inherent internal intrinsic desire to do that thing. That there are no external pressures forcing you to do it. It's something you want to do because you love to do it. That is an intrinsic motivation. And this is important because when we are talking about motives and talking about what people do and why people do certain things, we need to understand 
what causes something to be intrinsic? What are the elements necessary for somebody to take a goal or an idea or or you know a job or an action or whatever and internalize that and turn it into something that they want to do? Remember the quote I opened this episode with uh, from uh, Dr. Kaufman in his book Transcendence. It, it ends with saying, uh, I'll just read it off again. In fact, the following statement was strongly correlated with viewing your job as a calling. If I was financially secure, I would continue with my current line of work, even if I was no longer paid. That is intrinsic motivation to the T. That is what an intrinsically motivated person is like. How many people do you know that can actually say that? Okay, uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but just let that, let that question kind of simmer in the back of your mind while we get back around to what exactly, uh, you know, we're getting to here. All right, now with self-determination, with inducing intrinsic motivation, there are three elements that are key to getting somebody, or not getting somebody, you, you can't, it's kind of like the inception thing, right? You can't let them know that it was not their idea, <laughs> sort of a thing. That That's how this is. It has to be something that they decide or think that they decided to get interested in or wanting to do. So the, the three kind of core components here are autonomy, okay, meaning they need to have a, a measure of control over what they are doing, okay? So autonomy, competence, they need to be competent in what they're doing. They need to have an understanding, a, you know, a, a working technical knowledge of what they are setting out to do. So autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Relatedness is having a working, healthy relationship with those around you. Uh, one thing to note very specifically, so we understand this, that the self-determination theory, like becoming a self-actualizing person, uh, being, being uh, intrinsically motivated, you know, is context specific. You can be highly intrinsically driven at work and not at home usually doesn't always follow, but it's possible. This is a very context-specific uh, sort of a dynamic. Do notice that there are veins of intrinsic motivation that just kind of flow through Maslow's hierarchy all from the bottom all the way up to the top. But it's at the top, the self-fulfillment rung, where intrinsic motivations take over like fully take over. You can't force somebody to become self-actualizing. You can't force somebody to transcend. It, that is just not a thing. They need to have to desire it. They need to have that, a deep, heartfelt, almost, you know, if there are souls, what it would be like to have just this aching in your soul to want to drive forward and be better and just be the best version of yourself. Whether or not you believe in souls, I'm trying to color this picture for you. That's the kind of inner drive that when we are talking about, you know, self 
self-determination theory of intrinsic motivation, right? When, when we were talking about this higher level of, of Maslow's hierarchy of self-actualization and transcendence, this is the kind of drive and, you know, internal oomph, right, that, that we're talking about when we're talking about a self-actualizing or a transcendent person that is just always out there doing good, doing things because they are driven from the inside. That's what this is. So sounds pretty good, right? Sounds pretty nice. I mean, w would you like to be this person? <laughs> I know I would, right? I know I would love to be that kind of a person that wakes up without any groggy feeling every morning with a spark of, you know, go get them guys kind of an attitude and hop up, handle everything really fast, get the kid out the door to school, just sit right down and, and nosedive right into work, have all my breaks set up, take my break and clean the room and do the house, you know, every 20 minutes throughout my, uh, throughout my work day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just nailing it kind of a person who, who, who wouldn't want that and, and to love doing it and to fucking love doing it. I mean, come on, who, who, who doesn't want to be that? So what would the average person really need to begin to optimize? What do you need to do it? What do you need to do it? What do they need to do it, right? What do I need to get there? Well, what is the minimum any one of us needs to become their optimal selves, to become the best version of who they are? Let's, let's talk about that just for a second. And yes, this is so fundamental to uh, whether or not we are going to cause our own extinction. And I'm, I will explain this. Trust me, this is like lock and key. Okay, there, there, is, there is no way to separate these two. Whether or not we totally spell our own demise, whether or not it's an, you know, an omissive or uh, an act of commission, it is so intimately connected because who you are, how you interact with people, how it is, it's vital to how we function collectively. It is called a superorganism, or in our case, a superorganism optima, because we literally act as a single organism. There, uh, there is a, a specialization right? Uh, the, the division of labor. Well, in your body, there's a division of labor. You, you have the lungs, you have the heart, the heart beats blood, the lungs, you know, pull oxygen in and deliver it into the bloodstream. You have your ligaments and your muscles. You've got your stomach. Everything does something different. Single-celled organisms have organelles, but they're not like that. They don't have highly specialized individual tissues and, and organs and, and cells that all have a different job. In our society, in the, the global human collective, right, the global human superorganism optima, we each have a very specific job that we do, that we, you know, we do something for the collective. And here's the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, we'll get back to what we were just talking about in a second, and we'll, you know, how we get there. Uh, here's the kicker. As individuals, as an advanced 
technical society, not even as an advanced society, even if we were still tribal, to be able to know how to hunt and know how to farm and to be able to know how to build your house and do, you know, make weapons and uh, fetch water, you know, do everything to ensure that you can survive is still a pretty fucking big task. It's not so even today, right? We, we have television shows about this, like Alone and uh, Naked and Afraid and, you know, all these survive, Survivor, right? About this, like shows about the fact that it is fucking hard to do everything by yourself just to survive. That should tell you something. We are at the technological level that we are at right now because of division of labor. And, and so let me make this point. Okay, back to the what is a minimum anybody would need to become their optimal selves. Uh, first and foremost, what you need, even at the most basic level, you know, talking about uh, survivor and alone and, or naked and afraid, those things that other people provide are necessary. You can't just do it by yourself. You can't go out there and handle everything, you know, that you need, take care of it all by yourself and optimize. It is impossible. You just cannot do it. So what is a minimum any one of us needs? We're going to go kind of through this list and we're just going to take a quick second on each point and just kind of reflect on how that's provided by others and whether or not it's something you could do by yourself. Now, aside from the fact that your elders are basically going to be doing for you what you will eventually learn to do for yourself, you know, as far as survival goes, keeping you clean, feeding you, giving you shelter, that sort of a thing. First and foremost, you need information. You need the information that others provide, you know, especially when we're talking about kids and babies growing up. They are taught how to do certain things by their, uh, by the adults, by their parents, by their teachers, you know, um, coaches, that sort of a thing. The information necessary to survive is garnered from those who have experienced, those who have already gone through, you know, the first 20 to 40 years of life. And so the minimum, the absolute minimum any one of us needs to begin to optimize, you need a stable shelter. You need a stable uh, home life. You need food, regular, good, nutritious, healthy food. You need exercise. Basically, you need everything listed in Maslow's hierarchy, uh, the, uh, the levels underneath deficiency needs. Okay, You need all of that stuff. And personally, I would include uh, proper medical care. It's so it's just so important to have uh, proper medical attention uh, for just for anything. So I, I know some people might not put that under a deficiency need, but when you're ill, you need that, right? It's to not have it is a deficiency. So I would stick that under, under one's deficiency needs. You need a strong and stable home life. I, I kind of already mentioned that, but uh, you need intimate relationships. You need to have parents that are loving and caring and attentive and, you know, take parenting courses and understand 
what we currently understand are the best methods for raising children. You need a proper cultural education. I'm not talking about school. I'm talking about uh, the an education of of your current cultural dynamics. What is necessary for modern day survival and interaction. You need to be schooled in the ways of communication, how to make friends, how to keep friends, how to watch out for each other. And as you begin to age, you need to begin to find your niche in things. So, um, you know, uh, things that you can take on and accomplish, things that you can be recognized for in your community or, you know, across the world as a whole. So as we begin to grow and develop and find our way in this world, and you know, stick everything is kind of stabilized. Then you need to start working on yourself, working on becoming the best you. Whatever field of of research or or uh, whatever your specific interests are or uh, abilities are, you need to hone in on those and begin to perfect them. And so this requires access to a proper education, higher education, access to resources. So to self-actualize is in our world, the way we have constructed things, it's a very difficult place to get to. How many people do you know that have every single thing I just talked about checkmarked? I mean, really think about this. How many people do you know that have their home paid for, that have their cars paid for, that you know own a business and are not hurting for money, that have all the food that they need, that are psychologically healthy and well, people that have, have begun to work on themselves, on their own health, on their own mental health, people that meditate every day, take the time to really slow down and understand themselves, people that have worked out all of their, you know, the dark uh, kind of uh, past poisons that have hurt them, that they have begun working on remedy, remedying those and, you know, working with those and, and, uh, dispatching them. How many people truly are, are capable of fully self actualizing? It's not a lot. And an interesting kind of side note to all of this is that in today's world with our, uh, I guess, enhanced understanding of ourselves, of how our minds work, how our bodies work, of our genetics, what disease is, all of this kind of stuff. The, the goalpost for self-actualization has moved back a little bit. But uh, so technology has given us more information to work with. So our best possible selves are actually a little bit further than you know, they were 50 years ago or a hundred years ago, but, but in order to have access to that information, right, the propagation of, of this very valuable information throughout our society, it has to happen regularly and, and not be skewed and, and muddied up and misreported by the media. So, you know, how many times has chocolate been shown to be or, or chocolate or wine, right, has been shown to be either bad and then the next year it's good and then the next year a glass of wine a day is bad and then the next year a glass, two glasses of wine a day is good. You know, it's like this, this fucking circus. But uh, again, try to work out 
before we get to this, try to work out in your own mind what causes that to happen. Why does the media report faulty information like that? How has the science, the true hard, you know, scrutinous science in the laboratory, why, when it gets delivered to us, does it get filtered and, and, and distorted? And so we get this kind of like demented version of what the true science was, what, what the true helpful information is. So as an example, today, in today's world, the additional things you would need to, to really strive for your best possible self, you would need insight tracker, right? This is kind of a, a daily, not daily, it's a, a blood work analysis that these guys do to help you track what, how you, what's going on inside your body. And a, a lot of health, you know, people that are into health actually use it. Um, 23andMe, right? The DNA ancestry uh, analysis to understand what, what the potential diseases are that you might have, what your genes tell you, what sort of, uh, I guess, what the chances are that you might get this kind of cancer or that kind of cancer or, you know, dementia or whatever. It, that's useful information and it's vital to become your best possible self. The fact that that information or that capability is out there now has moved the goalpost for what is your best possible self. Um, so yeah, sleep, you need to keep your health up. You need to keep fit. You need to focus on your wellness. You need to keep track of your psychology, right? Psychology tracking. Uh, you need a proper desired education, including a relevant knowledge of things like Inside Tracker or 23andMe or you know other DNA analysis companies, uh, sleep, health, fitness, weightlifting, strength training, wellness. You need to understand that stuff to be your best possible self. So you need that education. You need a supportive community, a supportive group of friends and family that cheer you on and urge you to keep going. You need to understand psychology, your own psychology. You need to understand goals and how to set them. You need to be educated with temporal organization or, or how to keep a good schedule and stick to it. Like this is all information that you need in today's world to become your best possible self. You need to be able to schedule out or optimize your day, set aside some time for self-reflection, meditation, deep thinking, um, any, any sort of self-education you want to, you know, engage in your physical health, right? And, and you need to be aware of community health, your, the communal health of your community, optimizing family wellness dynamics, uh, optimizing cooperative social dynamics that, that are relevant to your profession as well as your personal life. And, and any other kind of social dynamic. Say you play a sport or you've got a hobby that you do with some friends. How to optimize those social dynamics. Um, you need to have an efficient wind down time at the end of the day. You've got to have your morning rituals. I mean, it's, it's a lot, you know? Uh, you need, for, for, uh, children, they need between 11 and 12 hours of sleep every night for us adults. 
we really need between eight and nine hours of sleep. Anybody that tells you that they can get away with, with five or six hours of sleep is not optimizing. I'm sorry to say that. If you, if you are one of them, please take a look at the research. It used to be eight hours. I try to shoot for nine hours now after taking a look at uh, some of the more recent research. Nine hours looks like it is the prime amount of sleep to shoot for. You need regular meal times to keep your body on schedule, you know, so it, it knows when to accept or when to prepare for nutrients. You need to, you need to keep, uh, we are creatures of habit. And a lot of this stuff, even though this kind of sounds like, ah, this is a lot of shit to work, you know, track and, and, and just work into my life. If you just do one thing at a time and get it introduced, you know, we are creatures of habit. It will become a natural second nature kind of a thing. You just need to take one step at a time and start introducing them until it's habit so you don't get overwhelmed. But that was kind of a minute there. But aside from all of that, that's just for the general healthy person. What about the people with special needs? There's an entirely different set of, of things that they have to worry about too. Medical needs, psychological needs. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It really is. So, you know, again, how many people truly have what they need to optimize? Doesn't it seem strange to you that you need a fairly robust, regular, and, you know, large flow of income to become your optimal self? Doesn't that seem weird to you that, that the only people in our society that are capable of reaching this, of obtaining what is inherently should be a natural human right, that the only people that have the means to reach this are people that make six figures and more? And, you know, that's, that's just kind of for themselves, right? If they have a small family, the, the, you know, their, their partner is going to have to work. <laughs> it's it's a lot uh considering that you can't just get this stuff it, it, you just don't have access to it okay now i want to go back and kind of comb back over and, and bring this all to a head so remember we are not individuals that are fully self-sufficient that that's not what kind of animal we are. We need our society to amplify ourselves, to bounce ideas between each other, for uh, you know individuals to specialize and and the division of labor to allow us to continue to climb this rung of social betterment. That being the case, that we are this social creature, that we literally need the products and services of others. We literally need the interactions with others and the relationships. We need each other in, in this very profound way. And that is why I have chosen to extend, extend the uh, kind of that super organism term to us by, by just a new term, kind of altering a little bit, but, but including the idea that you need each other to optimize because we do you can't do it any other way 
even monks that go off and meditate, they're with other monks. They're with each other. And they each have jobs and they each do their own thing. So, you know, it's, it's just a very strange situation that we are in. Think of it this way. Think of us as if we were a single organism, as if we, we were this kind of single weird creature, right? And more than half its total makeup is malfunctioning, not working correctly. What, what chance does it have to survive? Think of it in terms of a human body. What if two thirds of your organs were failing? What chance do you have of surviving? The, the comparison, even though there are differences, but the comparison is, is very relevant. Don't think that it's not. Okay. So what I'm going to do is this week, I'm going to be releasing two separate episodes. Um, there's, there was a second part I wanted to get in, but seeing as how we are already at 45, about 45 minutes here, I'm, I'm going to do, start recording the second half, um, within the next few days and release, uh, you know, <laughs> yet another part. I tried to avoid this. I did, but there was just, you know, just a lot of information here because this is a really dynamic problem with a lot of moving parts. But if we are going to overcome this, this, I don't know what this is, this fuckery, <laughs> this like just insanity, this twisted weirdness that we have tied ourselves into and, and survive and get off planet and, and have everybody optimizing just like as if they were individual cells in a body. You don't want one weak link. You don't want one element malfunctioning. You want every fucking piece working optimally. You want the entire structure being composed of the best possible elements. And, you know, when we're talking about a structure and, and composite materials as an analogy, we are including psychology, mental materials, what, what each individual's component's mind is made of. Okay, so we are going to wrap this up. Expect an unusual second episode this week. And then again on Monday, as is the traditional um, mode of operation here. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please like and subscribe and rate. It really does help with search rankings and, and all of that kind of stuff to help get the word out because this is not just, this isn't just for your listening pleasure. This is because we need to do something. I, I'm working on something like I, this needs to get moving or we are not going to get off of this planet. We are not going to become what we are so, what supposed to what we are we are capable of becoming if we don't figure our shit out and and time is running sh pretty short you know it's not like we have forever to get our shit together we have a very limited amount of time to do this and honestly we don't know what that time frame really looks like we can take a guess we think we might know we know we've kind of fucked up our environment we know our planet is beginning to heat up, 
There is argument as to why, but that's besides the point. The point is there are approaching possible cataclysms and we are not what we can be. We are not the, the super being, the, this, this earthwide planet covering organism that can handle that shit. We look what COVID has fucking done to us for fuck's sake. Imagine if it was just a little bit more sinister. If it was just a little bit more deadly. Oh, we would be so fucked. So fucked. Okay, closing up. Thank you for listening. Uh, share this with whoever you think might be interested or has, you know, the same kind of concerns um, that, that ride along these lines. And I will see you again Thursday and then again on Monday, as usual, back to uh, normal scheduling. All right, everybody, do take care. Humanity is fucking awesome. We just need to realize that. We just need to figure that out. So this is me signing off. I will catch you guys next time. Bye. In the interest of transparency, the Great Filter Podcast is a Phobos Tech production. All proceeds go to funding the STEM Theory Research Project and other Phobos Tech research endeavors. If you enjoyed this episode, please show your support by sharing, liking, and subscribing. You may also help support our efforts with a small monthly donation. Thanks.